Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. Together, we will unpack fantasy, faith, and life. We are not experts, but we consider ourselves fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win and find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. I'm Bryce Johnson, author of the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. You can check out fantasyfootballfellowship.com. In just a moment, I will be joined by Harrison Zuckerberg, fantasy coach, and he's the, the king of our rankings here at Fantasy Football Fellowship, and today on the show, we've got a, a draft special for you because we first two episodes talked a little bit about the upcoming season, players and, and teams to look out for and who to draft and who not to draft and all that sort of thing, but today, we actually want to take a look at how do you draft and what strategies do you implement, and for many of you, you've been playing fantasy for a number of years, well, you have to ask yourself, do your strategies work? I've won a couple rings, and and so I've won you know fantasy championships, and you know I have to evaluate each year. Okay, what are the things that are working for me that are leading to success, and and maybe some old strategies that I you know first started doing when I early on that I've just kind of kept and oh I just do that because I've always done it. Well, maybe it's not a great strategy or philosophy when it comes to fantasy drafts, and so. That's what we're going to discuss today. Now, oftentimes your strategies, you throw them out the window. If you if you draft the right player, you're in good shape. If you if you don't, you're in trouble. But but I, I do think when you talk about playing fantasy year after year, and especially if you play in multiple leagues, there will be patterns. And if you stick to uh, your foundation as a fantasy owner and, and, and what you really believe in, and if it's it's good stuff. You'll 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 win more than you lose, and and you'll have a ton of fun along the way. And so that's what I've found. And so Harris and I will will share some of our personal secrets, and, not personal secrets, our personal draft secrets. Uh, I don't think we'll get to the personal secrets today on the show, but uh, we'll do some draft secrets, draft philosophies, and strategies and tips. Uh, before we jump in, let me have you check out unpackingit.com/fantasy. And take a look at our different leagues that we have available for you to join. And so we especially have this fun 32-man, 32-team league uh, where so we have 32 owners that represent 32 NFL teams. And so you can go on and you could be the L.A. Chargers or you could be the Carolina Panthers. And throughout the whole season, you have their roster. And so you still have to manage the lineup each week but you have access to those players that, that are on that NFL team. And you actually, we, we do the same schedule. So when the Panthers play the Falcons, that's the fantasy matchup. And it's a ton of fun. We debuted it last year. This year, we're going to have two different teams. So check that out. We also have two different 12-team leagues as well, more standard leagues. And, and so we'd love for you to be a part of that. 
And then again, you can uh, go get the book, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. Use it for your league. Use it at your church. Use it individually. Just get it. It's great. We love it. So we'll also unpack one of the sessions uh, today on the show. And, and the topic is after the draft. What happens after the draft? So we'll, we'll look at it from a biblical perspective here in just a little bit. But let's say hello to Harrison Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg uh, easy for me to say. Uh, a member of the Fantasy Football Fellowship team. And, and great to be with you. And so, Harrison, man, we got to jump right in. What is your number one draft strategy that when you sit down with your buddies and you're ready to draft, you sit at your computer ready to draft, what's going through your head? What do you stick to? What is, what is, that, what is that tip that you can share with our listeners today? My number one strategy is running backs early. Mm. Now, usually I like to take two stud running backs within my first three picks. Cause I feel like if you get those two guys that can carry your team, the rest you can fill in later, especially from the wide receiver front. Um, I like to wait on wide receivers and take running backs early. And the main reason for this is I don't think that average wide receivers make a huge difference. I think, you know, if you get one of those top five guys like a Tyreek Hill or Devonte Adams last year, that can be huge for fantasy. But other than that, really not that important. For example, last year, the 10th best fantasy wide receiver was DK Metcalf. He only scored 2.7 points more per game than the 25, uh, 25th best wide receiver, Jamison Crowder on the Jets, who was going super late in drafts last year and was practically undrafted. So from a production standpoint, you know, getting a, a wide receiver who's good but maybe not the best is not going to help your fantasy team than getting another good running back as, as your second RB. You know, if you're looking at guys like maybe Antonio Gibson, the gap between Antonio Gibson and someone later like Melvin Gordon is, is much different that you want to get that elite guy versus getting someone like DK Metcalf over maybe a Cooper cup later. Who's also still a great player. So I totally agree with you on the running backs. It, it is, it's not a deep pool. If you can get guys that are, especially are three down backs and reliable year in year out those are the guys you, you want to get early and 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 they can carry you throughout the season now i also along with that i like to load up on running backs meaning i like to leave the draft with at least five six running backs on my roster so again like i feel like i can get wide receivers off the waiver wire i you know every team's got at least two pretty consistent receivers and then a lot of times they have three or four guys that you can you know put in throughout the year especially on on certain you know weeks and certain matchups and once injuries start happening you get guys on on the waiver wire so i want to leave the draft with a ton of running backs because i want to i want to hang on to them of course you can always find a running back in in the waiver wire but to me you're more likely to find a wide receiver so i want to leave the draft with some of those guys that i like and i'll stash guys you know, backup running backs. I'm okay. I want to, I want to get some backup running backs. I want to get some guys that, uh, you know, like this year I'm, I'm real big on AJ Dillon. Yeah. It, it might require an injury, but I want to make sure I have AJ Dillon stashed on my roster. So I'm going to draft him so that I have him before everybody fights over him. you know, in the waiver wire and, and that sort of thing. So though that that's, that's my strategy as well. Um, I think something for me, I've gone all in on the tight end. I want to get the best tight end I possibly can. Now, sometimes it depends on what your draft spot is. And so sometimes just 
based on the order, you miss out on Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. And, you know, last year I took Kittle uh, in the second round and he got injured. But I'm still glad I took him. Like that, that was a st- that was a still still a good draft decision, and I stand by that philosophy. I want one of the top tight ends, and then I also want a second tight end that I feel like has great potential. I'm not taking a second tight end like Kyle Rudolph or you know just some steady guy. I want a guy that can really emerge, that has great potential, and that's undervalued. So I'm going to get a tight end, you know, in the middle rounds as well to compliment my top guy. And so some, some people may say, hey, you already got your top guy. You don't need another tight end. I, I want to make sure. Because last year, George Kittle went down. Guess who I put in? TJ Hawkinson. Because I got him later. So that was, that was huge for me. So I didn't have it. You know, it was a little bit of a drop-off. But I was still okay. So I felt good about that, that strategy and, and will continue to uh, operate that way. Um, speaking of injuries with, with George Kittle, Harrison, how do you feel about players last year who were injured and now going into this season drafting them so you know guys like Cortland Sutton and guys like Saquon Barkley I I'll let you go first and then I'll tell you my thought see I think it completely depends on the player and the injury history so a guy like Kittle I feel completely comfortable with because I know that this was the first time he really had a career you know altering or season altering injury um Guys like, I know one guy I'll never draft is Deshaun Jackson because he's injured every single year. And even Julio Jones, it feels like, is injured every single year for at least a few amount of games. So some guys that have, you know, injury once, everyone gets injured sometimes in their career. They'll have a a fluke, you know, thing happens on the field. That doesn't bother me. And I think then that's an opportunity to get someone who's undervalued because people are um, not correctly assa- like uh, assessing the injury risk with them, but someone who's injured constantly every single year, I think that's someone who you want to stay away from when it, they prove that they can't overcome those injuries. So for me, it is, I want to avoid questionable guys. There are a number of players in the league, and you mentioned Julio Jones, who they're always questionable. You, n- you never know if, if, for one, they're going to play, and how well they're going to play because they have a hammy, they've got a sore ankle. You know, it's always something with those types of guys. So I just avoid them. Like Julio's great, but I don't, I don't want to deal with the questionableness week in, week out. And, and sometimes it's, it's unavoidable, but there are certain patterns of player with, with certain players where it's just like, oh my goodness, they're always on the injury report. I, I want to avoid those guys. Now, I think with the big injuries, the fluke injuries, you tear your ACL, you're out for the year, you come back healthy. I'm, I'm definitely hesitant, and I probably won't value them the same way I did before the injury, but usually so does everybody else. And so, you know, it, it, you don't have to overpay for somebody, but I, I definitely take a big pause with injuries. And, and maybe I'm kind of over, I would even say I'm probably on the side of, I, I overvalue health. But but I don't know if you can. I don't. To me, I want guys that can play. I want guys that are out there that I can rely on. Yeah, I'm leaning toward that. That's why I talked about in the last episode, Russell Wilson, who never misses a game. That's somebody that I want at quarterback. Um, and so with Joe Burrow, like here's somebody. You know, he was injured last year. Uh, it's he's only so he's played one year and he's injured. Saquon Barkley, he's already so young and he's injured. Um, whereas Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think he got worn down. I think he got a lot of touches and it eventually wore down his body, but I'm willing to give him another shot. I think almost being off for so much last year, 
he could probably healed a couple other other injuries as well that he'd been playing through. Um, so anyway, so that, yeah, I, I like I like healthy players. That's where I'm I'm looking. Um, all right, here's here's an interesting one. My philosophy is I don't want to have the quarterback wide receiver combo. So I want Russell Wilson. I actually love DK Metcalf, but but if I get Wilson, I don't. Or if I get Metcalf, then I won't get Wilson. Um, and, or vice versa. But I guess I'd have to take Metcalf first this year. So what is your philosophy on that? I for me, I want to diversify. So if Russell Wilson happened to get injured, I don't want to have to deal with oh, then it hurts my wide receiver too. Uh, or if they the team starts losing or they're struggling overall, I'm like oh my goodness, now two of my key guys are out. Um, especially I would say more so with the starting lineup. Now you may have someone on your bench that, that that's fine. But with the starting lineup, not so much. How about for you? Yeah, I think you avoid it to an extent. Now, if a star player is there, if I draft Tyree Kill in the first round and then there's a great value on Mahomes later, that's not going to stop me from taking Mahomes because he's still the best quarterback in the league. Or um, if you have like, you know, you take Chris Godwin early. I mean, if Brady's there in the later rounds and it's and it's great, then I would still take guys who are truly like elite players. After that, though, like middle of the road quarterbacks and middle of the road wide receivers, I don't really believe in. But, you know, if Devontae Adams I take in the first round and Aaron Rodgers is healthy, I don't have a problem taking Aaron Rodgers later because I know that they're both so good. They'll still probably pan out. And, and having those games where, you know, it's Tyree Kill catches three touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes and you get to double dip in those points and your opponent's sitting there like, oh my gosh, he had both of them. He got. 80 points just from his wide receiver and quarterback those weeks are also big as well yeah I guess I always look at it from the the negative potential where I just don't want to get caught where oh I had I had that team and they got blown out or it was a, a, a snowy rainy day and now all of a sudden both my quarterback and my wide receiver are out I, I just I, I don't like being that connected to one team I guess because um, there's just so many x factors uh, so I, again, I like to diversify when it comes to that. And that's absolutely true as well, where I don't want the quarterback and the running back on the same team, because then you're, you're conflicted. You get to the end zone, you're watching, I'm watching the red zone channel and I want, if I've got Patrick Mahomes and, and Clyde Edwards, Alaire, you know, it's like, wait, run the ball. No, throw the ball. Oh, it's a win-win either way. Again, I view it from the negative standpoint of, I don't want to go back and forth on that. So. I just avoid from the same team when it comes to my starting lineup. I want to see you know eight different teams represented or seven different teams represented. Uh, so that's the approach that I go with. Um, where do you come out on rookie draft strategies? How do you approach rookies? How do you value rookies? Just from a general sense. Okay, so with rookies, I think you have to you know be realistic with your expectations um, on that. Most rookies don't have amazing seasons their first year in the league. I mean, I feel like we get caught up in a lot in the one or two rookie running backs or receivers that have breakout years. But if there's 10 rookie wide receivers, really only one or two of them are are having great seasons and you have to make sure you pick the right ones. So I think um, I like taking rookies towards the end of my draft where I can get two or three guys and you can usually tell after you know week two or three um, if they're how involved they are in the offense and if they have that breakout potential, if they're not, you took them in the later rounds, you can drop them and pick up someone else. But if they break out, you usually know right away and then you feel good about that late round pick. 
And then another thing with, you know, late round picks while we're on the topic, I always like taking one guy at the end of every draft, like each year in all of my leagues. That's my shot that I'm calling that I believe he's going to break out that year just for obviously to improve my team, but also bragging rights over yes. other guys in my league. You know, the year that I took Darren Waller as the last tight end and everyone called me so stupid for waiting till the very last round to take my starting tight end. And then Darren Waller ended up finishing as a top three tight end that year. That gives you bragging rights over everyone else because you called your shot and they didn't pick him up. And then yes. last year, taking Antonio Gibson later in the draft, you know, when you then have Antonio Gibson, you're like, none of you guys believed in him, but I called it. I knew from the beginning that just has such a mental edge, even though it's not <laughs> as much of a mental game and how your guys perform on the field because you're not the real coach or real owner. Hey. It gives you confidence when you're going to play someone every week. Like, yeah, I'm a little bit better of a manager than you because I called the breakout guy in the last round. I love it. I love it. Now I'm I'm right there with you. I, I, I had Travis Kelsey before he became a stud. I had Adam Thielen, so those are a couple of my guys that I'm still loyal to all these years later, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but as far as rookies go, for me, I, I, last year I was like, I don't want any rookies because there was so much uncertainty with the Rona and training camp and all that sort of thing. I was like, I don't want any of them. Now, there were some that emerged, and, and you know, I missed out on a few of those guys, uh, Jonathan Taylor being the main one that I, that I passed on. Um, so... I, I've, I've had to reevaluate that a little bit, but I still don't want to get the hyped rookies. So like Najee Harris in Pittsburgh, to me, that's a, you're paying a premium for him. Like he could end up being awesome, but because he's a rookie, I just can't go all in on that. So I can't spend a second rounder on him. I, I, I would rather draft somebody that I've seen play that I know what they're capable of. Um, even though I like Harris in Pittsburgh, I think there's a there's an opportunity there. So yeah, so I want to play it safe in the first couple of rounds, and then I think it's worth taking a flyer on a rookie running back or two midway through, you know, kind of later in the draft. Maybe a guy that's that's buried on a on a depth chart that if the right things fell his his way could end up you know really benefiting, and and all of a sudden week number six he's the starting you know running back. A, a situation like you got to foresee that a little bit. Uh, take a little bit of a, of a risk, but that's when I'm taking a, 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 and I would say rookie running backs, rookie tight ends, way too risky, not really worth it. Uh, rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. If you get got, uh, somebody late, that's fine. Trevor Lawrence, if you get him, you know, 12th round, eh, that might be okay. Um, and then when it comes to rookie wide receivers, that to me is way too risky. They're just, I just don't trust rookie wide receivers. So I would probably avoid them almost completely. Of course, there will be a Justin Jefferson maybe every year, but I, I, I'm i not willing to, to try to guess who, who it is. So, yeah, And then here's the thing with rookie quarterbacks too. I mean, Justin Herbert last year broke all of the records for passing touchdowns, passing yards for a rookie quarterback. And I think he was still only the eighth or ninth best fantasy quarterback. So rookie quarterbacks really aren't worth much to you unless they're like historically great rookies. So I usually never take rookie quarterbacks. And if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Cause you know, most people missed out on him. Also, he was a rookie. Not a lot of people probably took him. Um, but the Especially running back, as a backup. Yeah. Uh, the running back thing I think is huge where, you know, maybe don't take a guy like Najee Harris earlier or Travis Etienne, who's hyped up, but you know, Trey Sermon uh, in, in the later rounds, who has the ability to take over that backfield in San Francisco, or even my guy, Javion Hawkins, in, in the very last round, who you could take, who 
as a rookie might have the chance to work his way up the depth chart and, and become the starter there in Atlanta. Yes. Yep. I'm right there with you. Um, okay. So here, here's the, maybe one other philosophy we'll, we'll talk about um, when it comes to guys who have been great for you in the past or guys who have burned you in the past. And it has to factor in. We're all human when we're, we're looking at these, these drafts. Uh, of course, we look at the numbers and you, you, you look at the rankings and, and all that kind of thing. But how much does it affect you where you see that, that name and I, I see Adam Thielen. I go, man, that guy has won me some fantasy matchups over the years. I, I got to get him. And then I'll look at a guy like Ezekiel Elliott and he burned me last year. How could I possibly take him again? So I'm drafting seventh in my big league this year. If he fell to seventh, I'd still pass on him. I can't. I can't take Zeke. I'm sorry. It was too emotionally painful last year. Uh, so how much does all of that affect you, Harrison? Um, I think it depends on the player and the reason that they burned me. If it was an injury, I feel a little bit more forgiving. If it was just that they were terrible as an NFL player, then, <laughs> then I feel like I'm going to let you go a little bit and not go out of my way to bring you back onto my team. And as for guys that were great, um, I don't find myself falling into that trap as much. Usually I try to stay pretty true to, you know, the rankings and how I think they're going to perform for that season. And there may be guys who for nostalgic reasons, you know, maybe they were once great for me who I can get as a backup um, on my team in the later rounds, just in case they have a nice week and be like, Oh, I remember him when you were good a few years ago and you're good for me now as well. But I don't think I would ever choose you know, my starters just based on how they performed uh, in the past. Yeah, there's a trust factor there, though, um, where guys that you have been able to rely on in the past, you know, if, if the numbers are, are similar, of course, you're going to go with the guy that you've you've trusted in the past. So I think that's that's fine. And I don't think we have to feel guilty about it. I think the, the, the one mind game you can play with yourself is, well, he was great for me in the past. Can I really expect that again like I already got enough out of them uh, maybe I better not press my luck a little bit so that, that's a fun you know mind game that we play as as we sit on the clock uh, during our draft um, all right here's another scenario and you and I talked about this before the draft where you get to a round you know a random round like seventh round and you're looking at you know the rankings and you're like oh I don't want any of these guys and so the choice becomes do I settle and get a guy who's okay? He's ranked, but I just I'm not, I'm not really excited to take this guy. Or do I reach for a guy that I really want that I want to leave the draft with? He's probably going to be available two rounds later, but I don't know for sure. So do I reach for that guy now or settle and take a guy? Yeah, I've fallen that trap the last couple of years um, where. You know, there's a guy that I've really liked and later around I thought, oh, he might still be available. Um, but and Jarvis Landry's ranked higher here. I don't want to reach for him. I, I, I might as well just take the guy who I know is safe. But then come the midway point during the season, I don't want Jarvis Landry anywhere on my team. I'm sorry, Jarvis, if you listen to this somehow, it's nothing personal. But I mean, I don't want a guy who's just going to yeah, he's going to go out and get me, you know, nine fantasy points. That doesn't excite me at all. I'd rather have someone who has a boomer bust potential who, because then if you have the guy who's average, well, they're too valuable to just cut and move on from, but they're not good enough to ever be in your starting lineup. So then they're just on your bench for the whole season, never actually end up contributing. I think it's much better to get the guy where 
yeah, you could maybe take him later. If you take him now and he doesn't work out, then fine. You cut him, you pick up someone off the waiver wire. But if he does work out, he's in your starting lineup and he's a much better option than that average guy that you were going to take anyways. And I think the key to it all is you can't do that every round because fantasy drafting is all about value. At the end of the day, it's did you did you get the most value for your draft picks? But there will be a, a you know, certain round and maybe two rounds where you just don't like the guys that, that fall to you. Like it's just the draft order. It's just the way that it goes sometimes. And you're like, I don't want any of the I need a running back. I don't want any of these running backs. I'm going to reach for a guy. So if you only do that once or twice, I don't think it's going to cost you dearly. Um, now, if you did it again every round, yeah, it's a, you're a mess. You can't just reach all day and just your first five picks, you just get whoever you want. No. But but I do think, yeah, just give yourself the freedom to do that once or twice, and, and, and I think you'll feel good when the draft is over. Because I always feel way worse when I look at my roster and I go, oh, I can't believe I took that guy. I can't believe I took that guy. And if, the games haven't even been played yet. But I don't want that guy on my roster, and now I'm stuck with him on my roster, and I felt you know, uh, obligated to take him just because he was higher on whatever ranking list I'm looking at. That, to me, that to me, that's, that's the wrong, wrong way to go on that. All right. You mentioned boomer bust and we'll start wrapping it up here. Um, so for me, I, I think it's worth taking some, some boomer bust guys, you know, late in your draft, meaning they might not ever play like, you know, a third string running back or, you know, the, 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 backup tight end, whatever. Certain guys that you like that you're like, yeah, they could they could be unbelievable or never get that opportunity. That to me is kind of the boomer bust that you you take a look at. When it comes to guys that are boomer bust week in, week out, I avoid them. You mentioned Deshaun Jackson. I don't want Deshaun Jackson. I never want him on my team. I don't want John Brown. I don't want um I'm trying to think other guys that like, you know, they catch three passes and a touchdown every other week. And then the week in between, it's three catches for 30 yards. It's like, I don't want the six points and then the 20 points. I'd rather have the guy that's consistent week in, week out. So that that that's, you know, maybe some of my conservative style of fantasy football. Uh, but but I, I like guys that I can rely on to get a number of catches specifically uh, versus being so touchdown dependent. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I think that it's okay maybe if you have like one of those guys who you play in like your flex if the rest of your lineup is really solid. But building a team out of a lot of guys like that, I don't want that either because there'll be weeks where you don't score any fantasy points. And if a majority of the time you aren't scoring enough points to win, but then for four games out of the season, you double your opponent's point total well that doesn't matter because you still won it doesn't matter by how much you won you still lost all those other games where your team didn't perform well so i totally agree with you uh, on that point cool well there you go there are some of my draft thoughts harrison's draft thoughts strategies secrets tips philosophies some of it's basic stuff uh i'm heading into my 18th season and and i think over the years fantasy owners have gotten better and better and you you pick up you know kind of what what to do uh, but I think being aware is is a good thing. Like actually evaluating, okay, what you know, what rounds am I going to target certain positions, and then be willing to adapt as the as the draft goes on. Um, I think we didn't talk about tier based drafting or zero RBs. There are some other you know fantasy industry type 
uh, strategies to follow. Uh, take a look at some of those. You can consider them. I, that we, we, Harrison and I are both on the draft running backs early train. Um, and then I think tier-based drafting, you definitely want to consider tiers and, and figure out, okay, if I miss out on all of the top four, you know, four tight ends and then it's a big drop-off after that, well, don't, don't draft those, like wait a few rounds before you then draft the next tier of tight ends. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to a tight end run where all oh, four, four tight ends were taken in a row, well, don't be so desperate where you take the 14th tight end because, oh, I don't want to miss out on a tight end. Well, just wait and get the 16th tight end. Like at that point, you can wait a few rounds and then go, you know, load up on another running back. So that to me, but I would definitely take a look at tiers. I'm a, I'm a big believer in understanding tiers, figuring that out and, and helping kind of uh, formulate your, your draft approach and strategy so all right we'll wrap it up there great work out of harrison appreciate it man good luck to your fantasy leagues as as you draft and and we will talk to harrison each week throughout the season uh as we will recap each each fantasy weekend and so we're going to record on tuesdays and and release it on release the episode on tuesdays and so we'll talk about you know guys that we're looking for on the waiver wire and and all that sort of thing. And then also throughout the season, we will jump into the fantasy football fellowship playbook each week, uh, as we will do today, because we're we're going to read preseason number three. What happens after draft day? So we talked all about the draft today. Well, what happens after that? And and here's the deal: we put such an emphasis on the draft, and we open up the show. I think the draft is really important. I think you should value it. I think I think. How well how well you do and the guys that you get is going to determine how the, the fantasy season turns out for you. But the reality is, then the season begins. Then week one, you got to make lineup changes. You got to work the waiver wire. You got to explore different trades. If you're struggling at, at one position and you're loaded and you, you, you've got a you know, ton of points on the bench that you're not able to capitalize on, look into a trade. And so there is the managing throughout the season that will determine whether or not you can make the playoffs and and, and get into uh, the fantasy championship. But it does start with the draft, but it doesn't end with the draft. It just gets going. And so when it comes to the, the most important day in real life, uh, no, it's not our fantasy draft. Uh, it, it's the one when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And, and so it's the moment we decide to surrender and invite Jesus to take over, forgive us of our sins. And, and that's the day that, that should be, you know, completely and, and unquestionably emphasized that, that there needs to be a, a decision that we make to say, yes, Jesus, I need you to be my, my Lord and Savior. I am a broken man and, and a sinful man. And, and the only way uh, for, for me to, to, to know God and to spend eternity uh, with him is through Jesus and, and what Jesus did on the cross, uh, the, the death and resurrection and, and the grace that he offers us. And so we have to receive that free gift. And so that day that we decide to do that is very important. Uh, that, that moment that, that leads to that and that, that surrender. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. And so that's the good news. That's what we cling to. That's our, uh, our draft day, so to speak. Um, and so our, our hearts are changed. And then 
we continue to live life as followers of Jesus. So we don't stop there. We don't just you know check off our ticket to heaven. No, we live for Jesus because we've been transformed. We've been changed and out of response to his grace and his love, we then live for him and live our life uh, in, in obedience to him. And, and so then the, the Bible says in Colossians, it says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And, and so, uh, again, we, we don't want to just stop it at draft day. We want to keep things going. And so we continue to pursue the Lord. We continue to seek him. We read his word. We, we go to church. We fellowship. We, we enjoy you know, other believers and, and, and look for, for ways to, to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who God is and how much he loves us. And, and again, continuing to live uh, a life of obedience. And, and the life that Jesus invites us to live as we follow him throughout the season, so to speak. So that's the encouragement for us today. What happens after draft day? What are we going to do with the rest of our lives? We're going to live for God's glory, to honor him, and to represent him, to be his ambassador. Um, and, and so let's, let's make sure we, we get our hearts taken care of first and, and our souls uh, in right standing with God because of Jesus. And, and so receive that, that gift of salvation and then let's go live for him. So I hope you're encouraged by that. And, and again, uh, it's from the fantasy football fellowship playbook. And each week we take a fantasy concept related to the Bible, related to our own lives. And hopefully it's, uh, encouraging for you to, to hear on this show. Uh, but then also I hope that you'll explore and unpack some of these topics with your league or at your church. And so again, fantasyfootballfellowship.com. For Harrison, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan, a fantasy owner who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. And I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join us throughout this fantasy season as we play fantasy football and as we follow Jesus together. Hope you have a great rest of your day. And I hope that you'll uh, continue to be a part of this podcast throughout the year uh, and would love to hear from you. You can email me, fantasy at unpackingit.com, fantasy at unpackingit.com. And we are here to encourage you and help you win in fantasy and find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. And more importantly, win at life, finding victory in Jesus and living for him and living with him, his strength, his power in us. Uh, through his Holy Spirit that that we receive uh, when we when we do receive his his grace and salvation. And so uh, thanks for listening today. Have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast.